0: Hello and welcome to the Solid Foundation podcast, episode number 23. Today I'm sitting with Albert Garasco and today we're going to talk about Albert's story. Albert comes from a, bro- a broken home. At first grade, he him and his brothers and sisters had to get sent to an orphanage for for some time. And after going back, uh, he was Got to be back with his family for a while, but it wasn't. It it, it was still wasn't a good setting. He had trouble at school growing up. Uh, first, looking for looking to fit in and feel uh, words of encouragement, and then turning into later down the road turning into him wanting to fit in and, and belong and to using violence to get to get you know as a solution. Yeah. Uh, from then, you joined the Marines as a reservist. At the same time, at the same time, starting UCSB, you know, a four-year tenure, yeah. yeah. And from there, there the, it still was not smooth. There's still rough times going through, including a, you know, a pretty um, important relationship that that you were a part of. And from then, you you've you've had ups and downs. Since then, you've really found fitness as an outlet for you. Yep. Uh, even competed bodybuilding, yep. and and now you're, you're already here helping back in the Santa Barbara community, and you're looking to give back more. Correct. Albert, let, let's, start ta- let's start with your childhood. Born and raised in San Diego. Yeah, I was. Um, at the beginning, you were living with both your mother and father.
1: It was my stepdad actually. I don't really. Yeah, I've only met my real dad a handful of times, but uh, I was living with my mom and my stepdad.
0: Okay. Yeah. And that, from our talks, was it? Was it ever? Did you ever have any relationship with your stepfather that was positive?
1: No, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean you know naturally as a young child you kind of, I think inherently want to love your parents, Mm -hmm. Um, but looking back. No, it wasn't. It wasn't good. Um, like I remember, you know, a lot of kids tend to be kind of goofy and play around a lot and stuff. But we were only allowed to even go places. Where we had to be quiet. We weren't allowed to talk. We had to just couldn't get out of our chairs. The restaurants, mm-hmm. like anything that normal kids would do, like we were like robots.
0: And that was because of your stepfather, or, or yeah. both your mother and your stepfather.
1: Uh, I think I think it was like my mom knew that he would be upset and they would fight if we were acting out of line, mm-hmm. even though that was just normal behavior, um, so she enforced it to avoid any conflict.
0: Okay. Yeah. And, and when you say we, you have um, a brothers and sisters? Could you say... Yeah, um, I have
1: one older brother and three younger sisters. Oh, and the
0: younger sisters, were was the stepfather um, their biological yeah. father? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, uh,
1: yeah, the three girls were his kids.
0: Okay, and, and so... As a youngster during that time, do you, or do you feel the love, even though it may feel, like, strict and discipline, Did you interpret that as love, or did you – you didn't get that feeling?
1: No, I, I would say no, because um, I would describe my childhood, like, everything – knowing what I know now, everything that I ever did, I just wanted to be loved mm-hmm. by my parents or whatever, so um, – it it was never there. You know, I mean, even now, to be honest, like (laughs) the couple times I do talk to my mom in recent times, like she never once told me that she was proud of me. Mm -hmm. So like I mentioned earlier, it's kind of what created this idea of me wanting to do more. You know, I started like learning how to do things on my own. I realized like, well, maybe she'll be proud of me if I do this. Maybe she'll be proud of me if I do that. Um, (laughs) but I realized like my teachers would give me praise. So I tried to do something to just have somebody care.
0: At that young age were did you know that your stepfather was your, not your biological father or, or did they kind of pass it on as that? Uh,
1: I, I knew he wasn't my dad because I met my dad. Also, we didn't look alike. Uh Um, But I, you know, as elementary school kid, like you don't really understand what that means you know i had no idea how kids were born back then so <laughs> like, like
0: I, I don't know firsthand myself but w- when i had my son at 17 his mother already had a daughter who was 2 which then i i immediately took in as my own so yeah. I, i'm i'm the stepfather in this in that situation so, so i know from that perspective yeah. and um, of course I, I tried to be as not try i was um, she is my daughter, yeah just it's just a formality that um you know legally she's not, but I always did my best to show her the love and support that I could, and same as my my own children, yeah, so you know it, but it was weird to say like, well, when do we let her like, actually no, yeah, you know, so i can it's great to hear it from your perspective of of how that went for you,
1: yeah, I mean. I, uh, on that note, like, probably not until they understand how kids are born, <laughs> because otherwise they're not going to get it, Yeah. you know, um, cause I didn't, I didn't until like uh, probably
0: it was kind of, it's just like words, huh? Yeah.
1: It's just like, it's like, Oh, Hey, this is your real dad. This, well, what do you mean? What, really? They're real. They're right there. Yeah. <laughs> like I see them. Yeah. Oh, you know?
0: well, it makes sense. That makes yeah. complete sense. So what, what happened leading up to the, the trip to the orphanage?
1: Okay, um, actually, that's a really interesting one because like I said, uh, the people that know me now, they would have never guessed that this is how I, I mean, the first immediate years of my life, this is what I lived through. Um, and this is
0: first grade we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, yeah. For,
1: first grade, I was six years old, but this had even started before that. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought cops coming to my house because of domestic violence was normal. You know, it was like, it was a routine. It was the same cycle. Uh, my parents were going to fight. Cops would come. Cops would talk to the adults. Other, like, other cops would talk to me, my brother, sister, whoever whoever was there. Obviously, some of them were really young at the time. Um, and then they would leave. Sometimes they would arrest my stepdad. And it was so normal that, or so common, I thought it was normal. Mm-hmm. So I had no... I had no way to, like, compare that to anything. I was like, okay, cops are here again. I wonder if they're going to take Dad in handcuffs again. You know? And, anyway, uh, did, we had... Did you get a sense, though, of comfort when they would come? Or it, it? did it cause more violence after they left? Oh, man, I mean, I just remember them, like, yelling at each other all the time and things being, like, thrown around. Um, there there are, like, some key things... Uh, kind of suck that maybe I shouldn't... that that I shouldn't t- say right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of it honestly like kind of blacked out because it's so long ago and like I just kind of like wanted to like let go that mm-hmm. I don't remember some of them. But I do remember that we moved to... We, we were approved for Section 8 housing because we were really poor. we didn't We didn't have shit. And so with Section 8 housing, we were able to move into this other community... And we were, like, instead of being in, like, isolated apartment house type of thing that we were in, mm-hmm. we were, like, had really close neighbors. It was, like, like kind of like a condo type of complex. And, excuse me, mm-hmm. um, those fights there, I noticed, had become a different type of problem. And the reason being that we were so close to our neighbors that our neighbors didn't like it. Uh, so the cops would show up because our neighbors called not even because of my mom called mm-hmm. which is funny to think about because at our previous place the cops didn't always come basically the cops would come because it got so bad and my mom finally called the cops but she didn't call the cops every time sometimes you just kind of we would wait for it to, to be quiet mm-hmm. um, but when we moved to this other complex it was very quick cops were there all the time it was like it, it, I could just tell like things were getting different Anyway, one day, there was, like, a really big fight, and it was bad. It was very physical, and I remember being scared. You know, I'm, like, in first grade, and one of the, like, older guys that used to let me and my brother play with, like, their train, like, he had, like, a little, like, train thing. that yeah, he built, a the train set. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, looking back, I'm like, well, you just turn a thing or whatever, like, and no. the train goes, it's yeah. not that fancy, but it was the whole world back then, yeah. but anyway, he had his garage door open, and he was working on something, and he saw it, and, uh, he saw my dad, my mom fighting, and, uh, my baby sister, who could, like, barely walk at the time, like, ran outside to, like, because I think my mom was, like, trying to run away,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which, uh, like I said, that, that, that fight specifically was really gnarly. And, uh, my baby sister ended up getting like tossed, hit her head on like this branch that was like, you know, like trees have overgrown branches out yeah. of like, the dirt. Yeah. The so roots. She, coming yeah, up, yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So she hit her head on this root um, because my dad like had tossed my mom and my mom fell and in that process knocked over my sister. So when the, like the neighbor called the cops, mm-hmm. cops show up they take pictures of everything. They ask us all questions. I don't remember the questions. I was in first grade. But I remember all of the like, little flashes of things. And I remember my sister, she had like this huge gash. And I'm surprised knowing what I know now. Maybe it was because it was later, or I think it was maybe a Sunday, because I have a feeling it was a weekend of like, why were we were all home that day. Mm-hmm. Um, because the next day, the cops showed up at our school or not the cops I'm sorry social workers and they took us away and um,
0: that night before did your father get arrested and they took him away and your mother stayed with you
1: guys to be honest I don't remember that but I would imagine that that's what happened Mm -hmm. Um, from that day specifically I only remember flashes of the fight certain things being yelled and like me and my brother and oldest sister Mm -hmm. kind of like huddling together because like we were scared um and and i remember obviously our train neighbor Mm -hmm. opening his garage and seeing everything and my sister falling so basically yeah and then
0: your memory picks up the next day being at school yeah and that's where cps
1: Yeah. yeah yeah so um i remember just out of nowhere like they were like hey albert you have to go to the office so i went to the office and it was like you know some dude in the trench coat and some lady like wearing like office clothes like obviously now I know what uh-huh. office clothes is but
0: this is at the school office yeah. yeah
1: and they just put us all in this station wagon um and I remember that like I said I was, I'd never ridden in one before but mm-hmm. it was like where you like sit in the back and you like face the back window and they took us to this orphanage I mean, I, now I know it's an orphanage. But. And your
0: little sisters, they already had them in the car because they weren't in school yet, right? The the younger yeah. ones?
1: Yeah. They were already in the car. Okay. And I remember thinking like, what's happening? Like, where, where are we going? Why are you here? Where's mom? And I remember thinking that, I don't remember anything that I may or may mm-hmm. not have said. Um, but yeah, they, I remember pulling up to this place and I was like, they, I was like, well, what, what I don't I'm confused. What mm-hmm. is going on here? Because it was, like, any type of indoctrination. You know, you show up, there's an office. I think they made us, like, write our names down or something. I don't remember. Like, and then they separated us, which was that was the weird part. They put us all into some building that was our own grade. Uh-huh. So, I remember thinking, like, like I mean, I, at this point, obviously spent every day with my siblings. So, yeah. to be separated and be, like, be told that we couldn't be with our siblings was really weird especially because Wendy was the youngest shoes and diapers and I was thinking like what the fuck's happening and why can't I be with Wendy like where are they putting her oh with all the other babies I I guess that makes sense but what about my brother he's not a baby like how come I can hang out with him you know
0: yeah it makes sense sense from like uh, if you're filing away library books or something but not when you're dealing with family and children yeah, to to separate them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it was weird, uh, showing up there for sure. And then,
0: and then, so you get separated. Are you, is anxiety start to like run through you? Are you scared? Or are you just curious what's, what's going on that you can remember?
1: Like I said, uh, because it's so long ago, um, and you know, when I left, After high school, I I kind of pretended a lot of this stuff never happened. I ran away from it. So, there's a lot of memories. It kind of blacked out. So, there's only certain things that stand out to me. Mm -hmm. So, I remember, like, when they were giving me my clothes and stuff, I remember thinking, I don't like this clothes. One, I remember that because I was thinking, like, what? like I remember they gave me a purple shirt, Uh and that stands out because I was like, I don't want to wear a purple shirt. You know, like fuck is this and so yeah they gave me my clothes and like I'm walking upstairs and I thought that was cool because obviously being in a poor house you got no stairs so we're going up to a second story that's pretty cool yeah so I'm going up to the second story and they tell me this is your room and I'm holding my clothes and there's another little kid who's going to be my house like a housemate I'm so used to saying that now but my roommate literally to share a room with which is not normal i mean not uncommon at that point because i had always shared a room with my brother so i was like okay i guess i'm going to share a room with this guy now but he was he was a dick you know was like he already there for a while he was like seasoned? do you know it it's funny because i don't i i don't i don't remember how we would have been able to tell who had been there longer or whatever but uh-huh. clearly like he seemed very like n- what i do remember is he seemed very comfortable like he just kind of like knew like this is where i live yeah he was already there. I sure as hell wasn't. Um, and actually, I never got to that point. I always kept thinking, "When the fuck am I gonna get out of here?" Yeah, what the hell's going on? Yeah. So, this kid like w- wanted to take my shirts because some of the shirts had a pocket, and like that's what he really wanted. He wanted, to, and I didn't want him to take it. You know, like it was like I just got here. I don't know what the fuck's going on. The little, the only thing that I have is this clothes. I at least know that this clothes is mine. Mm-hmm. That, that's the one thing that I do know. Yeah. And this fucking douchebag is about to try to take my shirt with a pocket. So anyway. Um, was it verbally yeah, he's verbaling or he was starting to get physically getting... I remember him like like t- actually like stripping it. it. Yeah. No, he did. He stripped it from my hand. Um, and I was like pissed. And you know, there were times like me and my brother play fight like... And actually hit each other, mm-hmm. and we would get in trouble. But well, sometimes play fighting obviously it wasn't play fighting. Yeah. Um, but I ended up kicking this kid in the face. Little six-year-old me, just like decided like, cause he wasn't my brother, so I didn't care. Like I would hold back with my brother, cause mm-hmm. obviously I love my brother. I'm six years old, but like this kid, he just took my shit. There, so, yeah, no, uh, <laughs> mercy. no mercy. <laughs> Yeah, and, um, you know, growing up watching all these, like, movies and fighting and stuff that my parents let me watch, like, I was like, fuck it, dude. So I kicked this kid in the face and take my shirt back, but he started crying, and as soon as he started crying, I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to get in trouble. I so, got to know how you got his face. What, did you roundhouse him or what? Bro, like, <laughs> I literally, and like I said, there are things that are key that I'll never forget. I remember thinking, like, in my head, like, the karate movies I used to watch so yeah I fucking I, if you look maybe it wasn't a real roundhouse <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> but in my head a six-year-old me roundhouse to him in the fucking uh, face and the legend of Albert is gonna <laughs> be <a> roundhouse <laughs> to the face <laughs> yeah but I he started crying so I knew what that meant I knew that I was gonna be in trouble because you had that experience I had the experience that if I had hit my brother or if I had made my sisters cry at all, like I was going to get fucked up. So as soon as that kid started crying, I started crying. Yeah. Not because yeah. I was hurt, but because I was so scared that the teacher was going to come up and beat the shit out of me, basically. Um, but it didn't happen. They came in, they're like, what happened? And he was like, teacher, he hit me. And I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> Naturally, right? <laughs> and they're like, Okay, and then actually they ended up separating us after that, so I don't know, I I do remember that they separated us, but I remember just feeling like so much guilt after that because I was like, I I was shocked, Mm -hmm. I was like in complete shock. I had just been removed from school, I had not been told if I would ever see my mom again. I didn't know where my siblings were, I just assumed... They were in some other room like I was. Mm-hmm. And within a few minutes of me getting there, I kicked a kid in the face and then they separated us. So I was in shock, <laughs> to say the least.
0: Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. And and how how do you know how long that stay was at the orphanage? Mm-hmm. Can you remember? You know, I think it was somewhere like one to two months. Oh uh, so that was a chunk of time. Yeah. And still no word from your mom at all? Or did did you get to talk to her on the
1: phone? Did she come to visit? Yeah, yeah. So my mom was, basically what was gonna happen is we were there while my mom got a divorce going because she was married to my stepdad. Mm -hmm. And um, they basically made it so that she could come visit. But we were like in the visiting room, you know, we didn't get to leave. And even that was confusing to me because I was like, well, now we're, we all get to come together and we get to see her. And sometimes we would eat, sometimes we would do something. And, but it was it just, it was really weird. Especially because, like, to some degree, hold on, let me not get ahead of myself. Mm-hmm. It was weird. Um, at one point, mm, my sister, the middle one, because one of them straight up couldn't talk. But she was like complaining about her teachers saying that they hurt her Mm -hmm. and she had a bruise and This is something I do remember. My mom complained about it And they said she did it That your mom did it? They said that my mom did it during visitation and then after that we had supervised visits My mom wasn't allowed to hang out with us without staff there Mm -hmm. Um, And you're right uh, it was a good chunk of time because we were there long enough to where, and now as an adult, I feel horrible about this. My brother and I have talked about it, but I would only get to see my brother when we would go to the pool. And I remember one time they had said, Hey, your mom's coming, but everyone was going to the pool. And they're like, you, you get to go visit your mom. And I was like, I don't want to go visit my mom. I want to go to the pool. Mm-hmm. And I went to the pool. You know, because I, it it got weird because at that point, I had started to get comfortable. I was eating better there than I did at home.
0: At a swimming. And, and I had a
1: swimming pool, and by then I got to, you know I got to watch movies. It was like it was like being in school, but like, all the time. Mm-hmm. It was so structured, and I think that's like kind of fucked up. You know, like to think that. I was starting to enjoy my life in this orphanage more than I used to at home. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> and
0: so all the schooling, like it was all internal. They kept you there all the time or you would
1: leave and come back? No. we Yeah, we couldn't leave. I mean, <laughs> they they would have had to have taken us like somewhere, but... Uh, like I said, sixth grade, I mean, sorry, sixth grade, six years old, first grade, there's only so much that I remember. Mm-hmm. I only remember, like, certain things that really stood out, that, like, they're, like, you know, these vivid images or experiences that I'll never forget. Um, but you but definitely
0: if, remember your institutionalized, getting to that point of being yeah. institutionalized.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, if if they did ever take us out on field trips, I don't remember them. Yeah. So those were pretty whatever if they did so try harder or
0: and so how how, <laughs> how how maybe that's something you could, we could work on man and the uh when you heard the news of you be able to go back with your mom did you
1: take that as good news that i i unfortunately don't remember mm-hmm. um i remember though that when we did go back and we moved into the new place uh I do remember being excited because it was in my old neighborhood, not the one where the old neighbors were, but like the first place. Yeah. So it was like in this set of apartments behind the house that we used to live in. Yeah. So not at the where the incident happened not in that neighborhood, but your first home. No, no, literally. Okay. So in the first neighborhood I was talking about, like the house that we used to rent was right here. And literally, like, there was an alley, and you could access this, like, set of apartments right behind it. Uh-huh. So we literally moved, like, 100 feet away from there, uh-huh. which is pretty crazy. We ended up moving back into that house when it opened up, and I lived the rest of my childhood at that first house. Gotcha. Yeah, so I've had, every time I'm in San Diego, I, like, drive by there just, just to see it. You know, it's just something about mm-hmm. seeing it, even though it looks way different now. But, but yeah, I do remember being excited to go home. And
0: and all your, your brother and sisters all got to be released at the same time? Yeah. We all got to go back at the same time. And so now, and does your mom, your mom got the divorce or she's in the process of the divorce? At the time in the process. Uh, and is she is a single mom now? Yeah. And, and so how does that relationship go with now have to be the breadwinner, pay all the bills and take care of the kids?
1: Uh it was intense and obviously like i said there is only key things i remember because i was so young um but i do know that for the apartment that we lived in she was also the property manager right. so every time somebody moved out um and this dude had like four complexes my mom would go repaint everything uh you know pull off the outlet covers so she know. would
0: be doing that physically yeah mm-hmm.
1: My mom single-handedly refurbished every apartment, made all of the vendor contracts to, like, new carpet. If they fucked it up, new carpet. Um, If they needed new tile because it was, like, cracked or whatever, like, the somebody would come install a new new kitchen tile Mm or whatever. And, obviously, once we were old enough, my mom would be like, here, here's a screwdriver, go take off the covers. Uh, Eventually, because I've always been, you know, wanting to work, I was like... I'll learn how to paint. So I started helping her paint the walls and to shit like that. Um, but yeah, I grew up watching her refurbish all these apartments. It was often, it was like every other week because there were so many
0: people just moving in and out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: People moving in and out all the time.
0: And then, and then you, we, you, you and I had touched base that her working more and more kind of took away from her being able to be there for you as a mother
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, ultimately, and I can respect that, like, she's only one person for five kids, um, she was more concerned with just trying to keep food on the table, and making sure that we had a place to live, um, and I think that she was really tired, to be honest, so a lot of times it would just be like, how do I just make you guys be happy enough, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, and... The extra attention that I think that we needed, clearly, she couldn't give it to us. So that's kind of like where we all, in our own way, coping with the trauma that we've lived through at that point, started figuring out, well, how are we going to get this attention?
0: And when you wake up, is she gone already in the mornings? Like, is she uh, off to
1: work or was
0: she there for you guys in the morning?
1: No, she was. Uh, she was still pretty much always home during elementary school or be, and she would take us to school so I don't really know like what she would do while I'm at school yeah Um but it was middle school actually where we figured our own way to get to school excuse me we basically like got to school on our own or she would drop us off the bus station and she would go to work mm-hmm. and then she would come home usually like after we did until I like high school, I started doing after school yeah. programs. And I got home after she did, but all my siblings had been home for hours.
0: And you mentioned the, the tension that wasn't there and that was needed. You all started coping in different ways Yeah. in, in elementary school. What were, what were your ways of coping with get, meeting your needs for that?
1: Uh, well, you know, I kind of realized that my teachers were people who wanted to like be there for me. Uh, so I would like, when I realized that my teachers would give me praise, I started doing everything that I could to get a good job. All right. Like, so that meant a lot to me. So third grade, like I said, Mr. Folk, not that I'll ever hear this, but I remember he had a little chart and, you know, it was like I said, a very impoverished uh, elementary school. If you do your homework every day for a month, he would take you to Jack the Box and buy you Whatever you wanted. Now that I look back, doing your homework every day for a month is a lot for one Mm -hmm. Jack in the Box meal. (laughs) But, (laughs) but we did it, and to be honest, I was the only kid who went every time. And like looking back again, like that kind of sucks because, to me, I was like in my head, I was like, I want him to say that I'm doing good so bad that I'm gonna do all my homework, Mm -hmm. but the whole class didn't go. Because no, like, most of them didn't do their homework. We got to see it on the chart on the wall. Dun, mm-hmm. dun, dun, dun. So many people had like, no stickers. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't do it. And, you know, okay, that's third grade. Uh, fourth grade, Mr. Pesta, he would take us to Padre games, baseball. I got to go to my first baseball game with him. I'd if never... you
0: did good or just he would just take you guys?
1: Uh... I actually don't remember how he chose, but I do know I got to go to a couple. Huh. And, you know, I had never been to a baseball game. I, I wouldn't have, I would have at the time. He loved baseball. So he took us. Um, and Mr. Arbio in fifth grade, he was, like, somebody who really, like, pumped me up. He was like, oh, you're Albert, you're going to be president one day. You know, like, uh, you're so smart. Just keep reading. You should do this. You should do that. And, um... So I kind of, like, I don't know, I hate to say this, but borderline, like, addicted to, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. So my teacher says I'm doing good because I didn't really get that same type of love, you know,
0: at home. Well, at least at that point, I mean, it sounds healthy in a way to where you're using it to to better yourself off. Yeah. You know, during that point. Yeah. Where where it could have led, like, we're going to talk about how it led the opposite (laughs) way.
1: Well, and, and, you know, like I said the people who know me in elementary school, too, like, a lot of times I'll say, oh, you were such a sweet kid. And the truth is, yeah, I was. Because I had already been through fucking hell. And I was, like, in still single-digit age Mm -hmm. numbers. So, I would... Especially, I have no voice back then. I If people would have paid attention, they would have seen that I was a fucked-up kid. But they couldn't. You know, I mean, most people don't know how to talk to a fucking child. Mm -hmm. So, um yeah man it's just kind of gnarly to think about that well that's awesome that you had <laughs> those third fourth
0: fifth grade teachers i mean that you don't hear of that often so, yeah uh, i got really hopefully lucky. they do hear, but i commend those teachers yeah. you know?
1: actually i'm friends with one of them on facebook
0: so i'll probably end up sending you there based. you go there <laughs> it is there yeah so sixth
1: grade innocence is lost yeah so okay you asked me earlier like what what were some of the like, key points Mm -hmm. I grew up, um, in a poor neighborhood, and when I was in fifth grade, my brother was in sixth grade. This was actually, like, a critical point, like, uh, another one where I feel like I kind of woke up. Um, there's this joke that says, oh, you're so mature for your age, and it's like, hey, thanks, it was the trauma. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever heard anything more true than that. So, um... My brother finished uh, sixth grade, and for him, that was an extremely tough year. Because my brother had just left the, the elementary school I was at. And my brother went from being a sweet boy, even though he always struggled, to this new school. And it was actually, it was called McDowell. It was sixth grade only. But there were so many kids from our neighborhood that were just fucked up. Like, you could just, like, looking back as through my lens now... Understanding, like some of those kids were very troubled and very angry. I remember they wanted to jump my brother that year. It was the first time that we had even heard of anything like that, like mm-hmm. where people actually want to beat the shit out of somebody because my brother had stood up for someone. So they were going to beat him up. And this guy from like one of our neighbors came over and he knocked on the door and is like, he told my mom, hey, senora, they want to fuck up your kid basically. And my mom went to school the next day because my mom was like that. Mm-hmm. My mom was like, "Fuck that! No one's gonna... gonna beat up my son." And she shows up to the school and be like, "Hey, I was told that these kids are gonna beat him up, so I want them to get in trouble." Like so, and then they did. Mm-hmm. And then they never touched my brother. Oh, is that right? Yeah. You thought the opposite. Yeah, I know, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, dude, sixth grade. You're still yeah, a little yeah, young. Yeah, Maybe they're still scared. Yeah. A little older? Nope. Mm-hmm. That's not gonna work. But it's really sad, and I'll never forget this because that same kid who came to knock on the door to tell my mom, Hey, they're going to whip your son's ass. He got shot that year. He was in sixth grade. He died. And, um, you know, we hung out with him a few times and it's funny because damn, I'm like kind of getting emotional about that right now. Um, I, I didn't think that my friend that young could die. Mm -hmm. That was the first time that for me, I was like, Oh shit! Like death is real, you know. Like before that, the only time I like ran into death was fucking Lion King, you know, mm-hmm. like some fucking Simba's yeah, dad. Was hard died. to swallow too. I yeah, think. bro, and <laughs> so that year, um, like I said, kind of like opened up my eyes. And um, when my brother was done with McDowell, uh, his promotion to seventh grade was the same day that I was getting promoted from fifth grade. Except I was going to go to a new school. My brother was just going to go to the local junior high. Mm -hmm. And I remember vividly my mom saying the night before, Hey, I talked to your dad. Your dad's going to come to your promotion tomorrow. And he's going to be there. But your brother's had a really rough year. And he really needs me. So I have to be there for him. And you're really strong. And basically like built me up and said all this stuff about why I didn't need her. Yeah. I'm in fifth grade. I'm having a pep talk from my mom about how much of a big kid I am. Being told I don't need my mom, mm-hmm. so that's kind of like a really big step for me to kind of be like, I am strong. I don't need my mom. I can do shit on my own, and so I gave a speech uh, at this promotion ceremony, and I talked about all this stuff. And I don't remember all of it, but I remember people crying. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Um, I remember some of the things I talked about. But yeah, I do remember like some of the teachers and staff crying. And, like They were like, where's your mom? And then, then I remember I didn't know because I was like, I don't know. I don't know where she's at. And they're like, where's your dad? And I was like, I don't know. So here I am, this fucking kid who gave a speech to the whole school. But my parents weren't there no like, oh, no problem
0: <laughs> completely understandable
1: yeah anyway um so yeah i end up uh, going to this new school and you know i'm kind of thinking i'm going to start over i'm like like going to make friends and this is going to be great because it's like a school on the UC San Diego campus, it was like a school that I think they put together like almost, I don't know, $20 million or something to build the school. They said, all these kids who come from the ghetto will get to have a high quality education because it doesn't matter what district, what neighborhood they live in, they get to come to UC San Diego, the Preuss School, Mm -hmm. and get a badass education. And so anyway, I get there and it's the first time that also I'm exposed to certain things like know people have money like people buy their own lunch Uh, there's a student store and people go and buy chips or Gatorade during lunch or after P.E. and I'm like I don't have a dollar (laughs) this is your first time out of your own demographic yeah and I remember being like hey mom can I have a dollar for what Mm -hmm. I want to buy Gatorade after P.E. like no (laughs) drink water (laughs) (laughs) You know, <laughs> um, something so small, but, and, and I remember like feeling left out. Um, and you know, like some of those kids, they were like, Oh, where'd you get your shoes? And I'd be like, target. And they're like, what? Your mom buys these shoes at target. And I just remember thinking like all these things that were never issues before, like they became issues. Mm-hmm. I remember getting made fun of because kids would talk about like having a computer and internet. And they asked me if I had one, because at this point, basically, they had figured out I was poor. Mm-hmm. So I would get made fun of for being poor, and I sometimes I would lie, you know, like a kid might. And I'd be like, "I do have a computer. Well, oh yeah, what brand is it? But I didn't know any computer brands because I don't actually have one. And I, don't, I haven't been to the store to see one. Mm-hmm. So I'd be like, "I don't have to tell you, you know, shit like that. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good comeback. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And,
0: uh, and and was this. Uh, even though it was a new school, was it all six or was it sixth,
1: seventh, and eighth? So the way that they had structured it, it was the first year would be sixth, seventh, and eighth, and then the next year would be sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth. So basically, it would carry over. Um I was only there until eighth grade, mm-hmm. but if I wanted to, I could have stayed till twelfth.
0: So, but when you got there, you had to deal with not only sixth graders, your peers, but. You were getting this from 7th and 8th graders as well?
1: Yeah, and um, specifically when I was in 7th grade PE, that was a 7th, 8th grade PE, Mm -hmm. which is where I made some friends that were older, but I also got picked on by some of the older kids. And to be honest, uh, if any of my friends from middle school end up seeing this, they'll remember. I don't know how else to put this. Um, I think it's correct, but I was socially retarded. The reason that I use that phrasing specifically is because the way I grew up had made me, like, severely be behind in how to interact with other kids. I didn't know how. I didn't know it was normal. I, I was just this lost little puppy. Mm-hmm. And um, I cried a lot in, in middle school. I remember, like, being picked last after all the girls... Which is funny because I'm a fucking beast now. <laughs> but we were playing some team games.
0: Well, girls are beasts as well. So <laughs> we don't
1: know who was there. Uh, but I was picked I was picked last for all of these like sports all the time. And I would cry because I was like, damn, nobody wants me on their team. And it was probably one I was weird, but also I sucked at sports. I was horrible. Mm-hmm. To, so I didn't want to play. Um and anyway. In 7th grade, I ended up beating up one of my 7th grade peers. Well, sorry. I was in 7th grade. He was 8th grade. Mm -hmm. And he was in my PE class. And it's so funny, too, because looking back, even before the fight, my friends and, like, people around me who were, like, really egging it on, they didn't give a shit about me. They just wanted to see two people fight. Yeah. But I thought, oh, my God. Again, right? Right chasing uh love chasing acceptance i remember thinking back then like oh my god people that i've people have never talked to me before want to talk to me right now so i kind of like was misunderstanding them wanting to talk to me for like being my friend but really they just wanted to see me fight Mm -hmm. they i think that they didn't care if i got beat up or not anyway i ended up kicking this dude's ass and that was a big deal because. So what?
0: What? What was different from this incident that made you say you weren't gonna take it and that you were gonna, you were gonna stand up for
1: yourself. Uh, I think it wasn't even like about him. I think, I think that I had kind of decided. That I think I can beat him up, and I think that if I beat him up, people will respect me. So I went for it. And honestly, it worked.
0: Yeah, no doubt.
1: I beat yeah, up no someone no. who was older than me, and people think that that's a big deal back then. You know, now we know through UFC and MMA and stuff yeah. that it doesn't fucking matter. But, but still, in <laughs> in school,
0: that w- um that will build a reputation for you. I'm not gonna say it's a great reputation, yeah. but I mean, there's nothing wrong with standing up for yourself. Yeah. That is a great reputation, but. There are a lot of people who use violence. A lot of youngsters that use violence as a way to bully people, and I mean, yeah. we know that that's not right. In your instance, you stood up for yourself, and that that day you made a name for yourself.
1: Yeah.
0: And did the problem stop?
1: Then I had I noticed that a a lot of the people who used to fuck with me, night and day,
2: mm-hmm.
1: instantly um, just instantly it was like uh okay, maybe we won't fuck with Albert anymore. And people started being nicer to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then of course it was like, uh, oh, well, fine, you don't want to fight, let's just go do body shots. You know, it turned into that. Mm-hmm. It, and then they wouldn't want to. And then I realized, oh, they're scared. So, fuck it. <laughs> then, you know, and uh, the funny thing, though, is that, like, the the biggest reason I ended up leaving that school, too, Is because I kind of was like, I fucking hate it here. You know, it's like, am I going to just have to, like, be, oh, because the dynamics were really weird. Because you kind of, like, the people that you were in class, you had for all of your classes. Because it was a really small school. It was part of the mission. If you have smaller classrooms, dedicated teachers, you can be more effective. Mm -hmm. So, if you did anything, everyone knew about it. Everyone knew about it. And so, it kind of got, like, there were times, and even now as an adult, because of all the shit that I do, sometimes I feel like this circus animal where people, like, like to watch and, like, like, oh, what are you doing now? And, but that, like, started even back then, and I was like, I need to get the fuck out of this place, because I hate it. And, and, you know, I knew, I knew I couldn't just keep fighting people. I knew that I, like, it just wasn't sustainable. Mm -hmm. So, my mom, funny enough, again, my mom kind of doing something for my brother, took him to orientation at this school in Mira Mesa. It was like 20 miles from where I lived because that was the year, like, you could start taking kids to the suburbs. And I remember going there, and I was like, look how big this school is. And I remember seeing and, like, thinking, Mom, I want to come here, too. She was like, why? And I didn't tell her why because I wasn't comfortable talking to my mom about anything. Mm -hmm. And she had no idea what was going on at school. No. In fact, in middle school, I got Fs and Ds on purpose because I remember like thinking, maybe if I get bad grades, because she would always say, like, oh, yeah, you're, you're good. like She didn't even care about my report card because mm-hmm. she knew I had good grades. I got Ds and Fs. Her response was, eh, it's okay. I know you'll get them up in a progress report. Zero concern. So that's when I realized, like, oh, she's really not paying attention. This is on me. Mm-hmm. So I kind of was like, mom, I want to move here. I want to go to school here too. She's like, why? And I was like, I I just, I hate it at Preuss. She's like, I thought you loved it. I'm like, no mom, I hate it. Okay. And then that's when I moved to schools. Mm
0: -hmm. And how was that that school for you? Uh,
1: Really interesting. (laughs) So like I mentioned, uh, the first year as a freshman there, I believe it was the first year that they had changed something in the school board where kids from the district as long as they were in the district could go to any high school of their choice. Mm -hmm. So San Diego high was my neighborhood school, but it's also like a really bad school. So we took a bus every day about 40 minutes of San Diego traffic to get to the school 20 miles away. And, uh, it was kind of weird because again, I was exposed one step further of like the world outside being bigger than I thought and you know i grew up around all the mexican gangsters Mm -hmm. so when we got there i remember thinking like oh shit there's like so many gangsters here because there was a bunch of guys like nike cortez's high socks khaki dickies shaved head and then they turned around and there were some like asian kids there was the asian cribs Mm -hmm. and i was like wait, I'm so confused, you know, like, because it was the first time I'd ever yeah, even seen, your like, mind. Yeah. I was, like, the first time I'd seen an Asian gangster. And the kind of world c- continued to open up. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, so, you know, I had made friends with people on the bus, and, like, tensions, obviously, with, like, the gangsters up there, and the kids from the ghetto were rising. Mm-hmm. And, obviously, they're us. Mm-hmm. You know, even, like, you know, like, we kind of, like, at times like the beef between like some of the black kids and the mexican kids kind of like no well we're all on the same fucking bus so like we're here you know um and it was weird and i hung out with all the mexican kids for a while but to be honest it kind of hit me that i can't keep doing this you know and and i don't know i, th- I think that like at this point i had already seen so much shit. That somehow, some way, probably through movies or something, I kept thinking there. Someday things will be better. There has to be like I, I can't. This cannot be my life. I, I don't even know what it is, but someday I'll find out. Mm-hmm. And I stopped hanging out with the only friends I had. And my and was
0: that because
1: of their association, where they like they were gangbangers and stuff. And, yeah. Okay. And they were like, uh, there was fights all the time. And it was like, you know, sometimes we would just all mob, like, be like, those kids over there on the hill, we're going to walk by them, and if they do anything, we're going to fuck them up.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And be like, and then, you know, that was the cool thing, be like, oh yeah, look at that, we walked through there, fucking shoulder checked him, he didn't say shit, because he's a bitch. Yeah. You know, like... Yeah, I know what you mean. That type of talking, you Mm -hmm. know, like, like, looking back, I'm like, fuck. Lifetime ago, Mm -hmm. you know, and... Like you just, sometimes you just wanted to. And sometimes some of the kids were like, no, fuck that. I'm going to sock them anyway. Yeah. And then there there was a fight. So you
0: seen already something, you don't know what it was, but made you think that these aren't the friends that I want to keep. And so therefore I'm going to distance myself
1: from them. And well, for the longest time I stuck around because I always felt like I needed to be there because my brother was there. And he was still involved with those same friends? And everyone was, like, everyone was scared of my brother. Especially because my brother had been boxing since 6th grade. Uh Uh-huh. And my brother could fuck people up. (laughs) And, um, not gonna lie, I actually went with him. It, It was this place called City Boxing in San Diego. And I took some of the boxing classes, but I really liked the kickboxing one. But I wasn't as good as him. And I, like, I don't know, I was almost like, uh... I kind of, like, thought, I have to be with him in case he gets hurt. I have to back him up. Mm -hmm. That was, like, the biggest thing. So I kind of was, like, one day I was, like, I can't do this anymore. I have to back off. And uh, I had no friends otherwise. A lot of people knew me because I was, like, in ROTC. So I had, like, friends in ROTC, Mm -hmm. but they weren't homies, you know. Like, I didn't hang out with them. And I ended up going to the library every day by myself. Because I knew that was the only place. Like, no one's going to go to the fucking library. I would go sit in the library by myself. And I would just be like, I am going to do my homework. Because I knew that when I came home, I wasn't going to do my homework. Because my mom would, like, I don't know, make me do chores. Because washing the dishes was more important than doing my math homework. Mm -hmm. You know? So, I also, like, started hanging out at Miss Lee's class, which was uh, the computer science class. So it started, like, that's when I got into, like, reading random shit on the internet. And, oh, nice. you know, like, I became this, like, really nerdy kid, but, like, always alone. And it's funny because some of my friends from high school that I am kind of still friendly with, they've asked me, like, I didn't know all these things. Like, I, you are so cool, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, think about how many times you and I hung out at lunch. Or any, like, you didn't know anything about me. You kind of knew me in passing. Mm-hmm. Any Like, people knew who I was. They didn't know shit about me. So they just thought I was this normal kid.
0: Because of how they seen you in class or walking by in the hallway. Yeah. And that was
1: the most they really got to know you. Yeah, exactly. And, but yeah, dude. I mean, I was like, I don't know how to say it, extremely lonely in high school. Because I felt like I had nothing. I had nobody. And I couldn't talk to anybody about anything.
0: And the people you related it to you took it upon yourself to be like this isn't right for me and yeah so that i mean i could imagine was there (laughs) did you think to yourself like did you blame yourself for that
1: Uh, that's that's a tough question because i'm not sure Mm -hmm. Uh, i would have to think about that i I would have to devote some time to thinking about that
0: yeah yeah that'd be that's because that's interesting yeah. You know, to because you you made an awesome decision. Yeah. The decision I believe was the right decision, but it's like what baggage.
1: You wanted okay. Out? I know what it is. Um, <laughs> what started to freak me out is that some of the r- more racially loaded fights that were happening were getting a little too intense for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know we're in Santa Barbara but. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to say certain neighborhood names. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Specific neighborhoods of specific gangs were getting fucked with up there to the point where they were talking about driving up there to shoot them up. And when that stuff started to happen, especially because those neighborhoods were like worse than where I grew up, I was like, I don't think that I should stick around with all of this. Because I'm, one, I'm not trying to get shot. Because they, even like some of the things were like, Well, they weren't happy with how you backed them up. Mm -hmm. They weren't like this, this, you know. It started to get very complicated. And that's when I was like... Political. Even though that I'm not in the gang and everyone knows it, I'm here. So it's almost like I'm going to get sucked in. Mm -hmm. Like I'm basically getting into the point where it's like you have no choice. You're either with us or not. And like I remember one of my friends, like one of the Asian kids literally had like a lock and fucking hit him and like he was just bleeding and shit like it like it was getting bad dude like Mm -hmm. uh they like hopped out of the car with machetes and like fucking cut one of my friends up and i was just like dude this is like definitely not where i want to be because that means i'm gonna start have to put a lock on my fucking knuckles to hit Mm -hmm. someone i'm gonna be at risk of getting a up on with the car yeah and that's kind of where i was like well sorry, brother, if you want to be part of this and you like people being scared of you and whatever, like I'm out.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't know that to me, that's like a tremendous part, a shift in your, your life from the outside looking in, Yeah. especially when your brother's tied to it, because one thing to just to,
1: well, the crazy thing is by the way, is that my brother wasn't in the game. He just was a fighter. So but it's he tied pretty...
0: into your decision. Oh, though. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's like, because to me, it, it, I guess your decision was fear-based, right? You you feared more of what you may have to do one day or what you may be involved with. Less than you feared what what those people would say or do to you if you yeah. stopped hanging out with them. Yeah. Where typically it's reversed. I don't know what the certain percentage is, but I'll say the 90 percentile most of the youth that get involved with gangs if they could get just a free pass and just give it up and leave it up leave it and not have to worry about any consequences they they would probably they would do it but they're more afraid of what the homies are going to say what what kind of bad name they're going to make for themselves and are they going to now get punked on like you built like you said you built up this reputation for yourself as a tough guy so now no one's messing with you but all the what it led you to you're like oh, well, i gotta give that i gotta give that up and that's hard man that yeah so that's like i commend the <laughs> the 12th or 11th grader that made that decision man that was that was
1: powerful well I, like i said at that point you know i'd already like lived through the orphanage stuff i had already seen like my dad beating the shit out of or step like it's funny I did consider my dad, right? That's why mm-hmm. I said that. My stepdad hitting my mom. Me testifying in court against him. I, I had lived through a lot. And I just, like I said, I held on to this idea that someday my life would change. And I, and I had this... I'm very lucky. I don't know why I think the way I am. But I was able to decide. Me sticking around here... Probably not going to ever change. Mm-hmm. So I need to walk. Even if it means I'm alone. And I did. And then I was alone. <laughs>
0: yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. And, and you do you remain kind of that, that loner that we're talking about all the way through
1: the end of high school? Yeah. Like I said, I was involved in ROTC because at that point I had already decided like military was cool. Like I wanted to be in the military and I thought learning about it would be fun. Mm-hmm. Well, you had um,
0: mentioned before your mom kind of... Put that into you yeah. and your brother at a very young age.
1: Yeah, my mom's from Mexico, and that was something that she had always told us. Like this country's been great to us. Uh, I want my sons to serve, and you guys, you know, it's like. It's this great honor, and and so she had planted the seed, mm-hmm. and, <clears throat> you know, watching war movies and stuff. I always thought the guys were badass. So I was like, I I could do that. Wow. I'm not scared. <laughs> uh,
0: and so you had you did ROTC because that is. Kind of uh get you prepped for military yeah. after school yeah and and the and the the peers that you had in there they are more acquaintances, not really friends yeah. like once class is over that, that's it,
1: yeah, and like even like the, there was like a group, it's funny because I did have like my first group that I like hung out with because I joined one of the competition teams, but even with that like man so it was it was just like it was so such a weird world because. Also, my mom didn't ever let me leave the house. So some of them would hang out and they all lived 20 miles away. So I would see them during like the practice, sometimes like the day before a competition. But I lived 20 miles away. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a way to get there. So I never saw them outside of that. So it was like very like short bursts. Mm -hmm. And because of that, you know, we weren't allowed to even use the phone. There were no cell phones back then. So I didn't really get to develop a friendship the way that other people might. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: And so 12th grade that you, do you graduate from that school that you're talking about?
1: Yeah, I did. Except, um, I was, again, I felt no emotional connection to it. I, it was like, for example, I went to prom by myself. Um, and I had no, like my friend Joseph on the track team. Cause I ran track. Mm-hmm. I started racing triathlons in high school too. Um, he was like, Hey, what are you doing for prom? We're going to do this. And I was like, uh, I don't know. I, And it was literally, like, super casual in passing. He's like, well, come to dinner with us. And I was like, what the fuck? You go to dinner before prom? Like, I don't Mm -hmm. know all these things, right? I've been in the fucking library every day (laughs) by myself. And uh, I was so ready to be done. I had... uh, So I actually... I didn't have to. I did it because I wanted... I Like, I... Constant reminders of me having nobody in high school. Like, I didn't want to be part of the graduation... I had already been through that ceremony by myself in fifth grade yeah. and I wanted out. So I went to boot camp one week early and I said goodbye to all my fr- friends. Mm-hmm. And actually it's funny because there's these two girls, Lizzie and Stephanie, who threw a going away party for me in my history class. And to me that was like the biggest deal ever because I was like, I've almost barely talked to them. Like, you know, like, small conversations, yeah. but, like, they don't know me. They don't know anything about me. But they threw this, like, going away party, and it's, I don't know. It was, like, the, the nicest thing to me, you know. Yeah. Like, um It was a big deal to me. Still is now. Um But, yeah, I, I left for boot camp, and I finished that. And then I had never been to UCSB because, obviously, like I said, we were poor. There was no way that my mom was going to drive me up just to see you know, the campus. The yeah. idea of that was, like... People oh people really do that. People mm. actually visit campus course, Yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I was like, oh wow, um, and I didn't get to. I I just showed up after boot camp. I showed up here and I was like, okay, I'll sign up for classes now, and then I started school.
0: Yeah, the uh, that just want to touch base on the, what those those two young ladies did for you It's like if we could just get more of that. Yeah. In school, that just out of not even close friends just talking to you knew you heard what you were doing and decided to get together and throw that for you and how much of an impact you know over a decade has passed and that still impacts you to to think about I could see your emotions when you think about it you know and it's just like kind gestures like that can help change the world for better especially at that age yeah especially when you're in a school full of strangers and it's kind of feels like everybody's out putting on a front for you know for themselves yeah that was was awesome and so you you mentioned you went to boot camp and then you went to UCSB so is this going on at the same the same time
1: yeah so I got into UC Santa Barbara and I my recruiter was like oh that's great man like you have good grades you're gonna go to this awesome school when you get there you can be in platoon leaders course which is basically a commissioning program so that if you complete officer candidate school, you can become a Marine Corps officer. Mm-hmm. Um, was it the Marines who helped you get in UCSB or or how no. did you
0: accomplished that?
1: Uh, there was, uh, I, I just, you know, it's funny cause I didn't think I would get into any school, but I did, I, I got into a few and I just picked UCSB. Um, I guess that my SAT and or grades were good enough, so. I got in <laughs> on a scholarship. Uh okay. no, I had um I had a couple of scholarships that I did get because there's a non-profit in San Diego that I attended my senior year mm-hmm. that I applied for some stuff and I won some money. But honestly, I just got, I mean, dude, I I grew up with nothing, you know, dirt poor, fucking basically financially helped me out.
0: Yeah. And and so when you say you were done uh you meant with that school, but you still wanted schooling? That's why you continued your education.
1: Wait, I mean, at UCSB?
0: Yeah, because before that, you were saying in the high school, you're just like done. You didn't even want to go to graduation. Oh, it, it, was I, really it was
1: more that I was done with like being at that school. Oh, okay. It wasn't that I was done with school. I just like I was like, I have nothing and no one here for me. No. I would like, and for me, moving to Santa Barbara, which is funny, like I felt like I was running away. I thought I had promised myself, I'm gonna go to Santa Barbara and I'm gonna start over and just meet my new life. For the first time ever, no more family, no more childhood trauma yes. i'm I'm at a new place and I'm gonna get my degree and that's it. Well, I'm in the marines now too so um but yeah I just i I wanted a fresh start is what it felt like and I had looked forward to that every day in my senior year. I just like was like, this is it I'm leaving I'm almost out of here
0: yeah uh, and, and how did you relate that? message to your mother that you're going to be now leaving
1: home? So, as I Basically, like I mentioned earlier, the thing where, like, me and my mom kind of fell off started with that, like, fifth grade thing. Because I started to think and believe, I don't need you. You're right. I can figure it out. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm good. And so, I started to get... I started to push her away more. And so, I... There was a lot of friction between her and I almost everything like any there was actually times looking back that she kind of fucked with me just for the I wasn't even doing anything really bad or wrong. It was just for the fact that like she wanted to show me she's my mom, and she's in charge like one time I was late from wrestling practice, and she told me, "Oh, cool, you think you're on your own time like this isn't a hotel like you can't go to wrestling practice for a week and I was like. The bus was late. I don't care. And, you know, it was, like, shit like that. Mm-hmm. Where it, like, doesn't even make sense. Well, Mom, sometimes buses are late. It's fine. You know? But, no. That was, like, a power trip. Yeah. Because she knew that I was, like, becoming too independent. And even to this day, like, we she and I have talked about it. Like, it's a problem. So, I told her when I was leaving, before I went to boot camp, I was like, Mom... I've looked forward to this for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I'm never coming back. I said, I'm not going to come back until I'm a successful man. And that was like... Really intense, like, little moment. Because she kind of looked at me like... You're really leading. And then I did. And, you know, like I said, I went to boot camp. I... I don't even think that I wrote too many letters. Mm-hmm. And that was something that made boot camp easier for me. So many kids in boot camp, like, they missed their parents. They missed this. I didn't miss shit. I had no friends. I had you no stoked,
0: You were stoked to be there?
1: Uh, it, it's really interesting to, say, to think because it, it just felt like it was, like, what I was supposed to do. Um, one of the things that has like really resonated with me with, in terms of like why I joined is like other people like miss their family, miss their girlfriend, miss their friends. I didn't, you know, I was just like, I'm here to do a job. I'm gonna learn. Cool. We're gonna do this. All right. There's nothing mm-hmm. outside for me. So like, I I'm, I'm I'm right here right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was almost like weird. It was like I was like the perfect candidate. Yeah. Did you feel that
0: too? Like it felt like it was made for you and these other kids it wasn't. Yeah. Because
1: really I was like, you guys are weak. Yeah. <laughs> but but it wasn't that they were weak, it's just that they actually had a life yeah. that I had no fucking idea about. And feelings and emotions. <laughs> and, uh, yeah.
0: And so how was boot camp for you going going through it?
1: I thought boot camp was easy, to be honest. It was physically demanding at times. It kind of sucked. I was hungry. All mm-hmm. oh, that for sure. Starving every day. You kind of end up learning like one meal at a time. Mm-hmm. You just stuff your face every chance you get, because like, you, that's all you're going to get. And you're done eating at like four o'clock. Bro, I'm Latino. Like mm-hmm. four o'clock dinner. It doesn't happen. I don't know. But yeah, man, it's uh it, it was good. Um, I thought Officer Candidate School was way fucking harder, personally. Way harder.
0: Physically and mentally?
1: Yes. Uh, okay, so here's here's why I say boot camp is easy. Everything, you're told where to go, what to do, every fucking minute that you're there. When to eat, what to eat. You don't have to make any decisions. You literally just have to do what you're told. So I can see to some people that's hard. Mm-hmm. But if you show up with it, like... No expectations and you just say I'm gonna fuck shit up and do it, like you're gonna have no problems with boot camp. You'll get in trouble like if you're thinking like starting to think like I wish I was home right now, I want to watch a movie, this like but why are you there to begin with? You're gonna miss movies, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just chill, like uh, just be present. Yeah. So anyway, but Officer Canada school is way harder because one, you get graded by your peers. So the staff gets to know what your peers think about you. In boot camp, they don't give a fuck. If you think that the other dude sucks ass, like, well, they know he sucks. If you think the other dude's good, well, they also know he's Mm -hmm. good. They pay attention. But here they want, like, because you're going to be an officer, they want to know how are you perceived when the staff's not looking. Also, you know, I just told you, like, in boot camp, they make all the decisions for you. At officer candidate school, they actually have every two days, they rotate out who's in charge. So all of the people going through it, which is, like, you know, officers boot camp, They take turns being in charge, carrying out the schedule of the day. The staff is watching, taking notes, being like, ha, you fucked up. We're late. We're 20 minutes behind schedule because you can't fucking move people around. Mm -hmm. No one respects you. No one listens to you. That's why we're late. It's not because they're, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's so much more intense. And, like, you get people who think that they deserve respect. Because of X or Y that or who they are, or what they've done, but it's like, hey, guess what? I don't know shit about you, so you have like these two minutes of why I need to listen to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the respect you're gonna get from me is like how you conduct yourself, how in shape you are, you know, like those basic things, how you talk to people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's why it was way harder.
0: And you, did you enjoy it more than boot camp? The challenge.
1: I did because that was uh, to me. So they split Officer Candidate School into two programs. The first one was juniors, um, and then the second one was considered seniors, and it's way harder. Juniors was almost like a crash course. It it was more fun. We went on a fucking helicopter ride, like shit, like that. Mm. It it was almost like they wanted you to come back. There are oh there granted there is a commission program that's ten weeks for people who already finished college, but obviously because I was in school, I didn't do that one. Seniors was really hard though, and but I do feel like I belonged there because I got to really spread my wings for the first time and I got to see myself in a leadership role and I also got to tap into some of my own like more badass side because I remember some of the kids that were struggling because you don't have to stay there, I would talk a lot of shit. I'd be like, you don't deserve to lead Marines, you can quit and go home. Because after week three, mm-hmm. you really can quit and go home. I mm-hmm. would talk shit and we'll be like, "Go home, bro. Why are you here? You're clear you clearly you want to be here. You suck. Mm-hmm. You didn't prepare. Mm-hmm. Like you, oh. <laughs> so, yeah. And again, though, it was easy too because at the even though it was really hard, and I started praying to God to help me get through it. At the end of the day, I I was I felt like I was meant to be there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And and at this point did you already know that you were doing all this but you would be a reservist or were
1: So the idea was that I was going to commission when I finished college and be an active duty Marine Corps officer. The reserve thing was like my recruiter told me if you join the reserves you'll be ready and you'll know more, which I did. Mm-hmm. That's why when I went to officer candidates well I already knew so much and those kids were normal college kids they didn't know as much. Yeah. Um but yeah, uh, there was just kind of the way it played out. The yeah. goal was to commission and be active duty and be a career career officer career officer. At this point I had for years fantasized that I would be a marine officer for like that was be my career. Mm-hmm. And but what what year
0: is this in? 2010. 2010. Okay. Yeah. So we're already in both
1: Afghanistan and Iraq. Yeah. Actually, we skipped that part, but my unit went to Afghanistan the year before I went to seniors, uh-huh. which is a whole mess of its own. <laughs> so the unit that you uh, did your, what would you
0: call it, like a workup or that you trained with? Or? Yeah, it was yeah. a
1: unit I was assigned to. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: And they got the call to deploy, but you, d- describe, tell us like why you couldn't go because of the whole college and yeah. your your
1: situation. So, um, because I was in, at UCSB and I was in Platoon Leaders course, I believe that falls under Recruit Training Command. Sorry, not Recruit Training, just Training Command. Um, but anyway, I belong to two people now. I belong to PLC and I belong to 4th LAR. Which, what are what are those? 4th Light Recon is my unit. Mm-hmm. PLC is Platoon Leaders course. But both of these are under a separate, like, you know... Hierarchy, Uh But they're still obviously in the Marine Corps. Anyway, because I'm in platoon leaders course, it makes me non-deployable. Meaning that even if my unit gets sent to Afghanistan, I'm not supposed to go. But when that was happening, they asked me, do you want to come with us? And I said, yeah. Because why the fuck not? In my head, I thought, if I go to Afghanistan with them, I can go to seniors later. And then I'll have a combat tour before I go to seniors. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that turned into a mess. Um, I volunteered to activate early, and I le- left UCSB, I, you know, I, I pulled out of school, I quit my job here, because obviously as a reservist, you only get so much money, so mm-hmm. I, did, I did work during college, I quit my job, I pulled out of my lease, and I moved back home, I called my mom, and I was like, hey mom, I'm going to go to Afghanistan, can I stay for a week? She said yes. And then the week came and I still didn't have orders for this early activation. And then my mom started... This shows you about how my mom and I are. Mm. She didn't believe me. She had convinced herself that I lied about the deployment. I didn't, just didn't want to go to school anymore and I want to come live at home and, and fuck Crawling off. back. Yeah. And I hated that. So um, she was like, well, what are you going to do? You can't just be sitting here on your ass. I tried to get a job, no one would hire me, because literally I thought, <clears throat> I don't know when I'm going to leave, I might be out of here next week, so no one would hire me, anyway, I end up going to the annual training that my unit does, and they were going to activate right after that, and go do the workup and everything, go to Afghanistan, and my commanding officer calls me up, and he's like, hey, all of this shit's been going down, basically mom and dad fight about what's going to happen with you. If you go to Afghanistan with us, you have to drop PLC. What that meant is I would have to reapply and I would have to go through either the junior and senior program again, or the 10 week commissioning course I mentioned. What sucks about that though, is that I got in as a freshman to the PLC program. By the time that all of this was happening, they weren't letting that many people in at all. They had got so competitive. Some of my friends tried to apply and they didn't get in. Mm-hmm. Friends who had like 4.0 college GPAs. And like I was thinking to myself, if I go to Afghanistan, if I get out of this, I don't have a 4.0 college GPA. I was like, I won't get back in the program. They, I don't think that they'll, at this point I'm realizing they're not going to care that I went to Afghanistan. Because I realized by then the selection of it they that's not what they're looking for because they just let normal college kids with no military experience in Mm -hmm. so obviously the military service isn't that big of a deal and so i ended up saying okay after talking to my brother talking to a bunch of other people that i had a lot of respect for i went back to school and your brother's already a marine oh yeah my brother's active duty okay yeah my brother served uh and you were stationed out in 29, uh, sorry not 29 Palms. Uh, Camp Lejeune is in North Carolina.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, and so you you've come to this tough decision that you're going to you your your squad or your platoon is going to your unit yeah. is going to leave and then you're going to stay with the the schooling. Yeah. So that I you do... you get to see them
1: come back, right? Yeah. And
0: uh, did you, are you still in the schooling at this time, or have you...
1: Yeah, so they came back right before I went to seniors. Mm -hmm. So this whole time, I had just uh, started lifting weights, because I had, as an endurance athlete, I had never really lifted Mm -hmm. much weights at all. I was always running and biking. So I had to, like, kind of bulk up a little more. And uh, I had promised myself, like, my unit left. I had to stay, like, I'm not going to half-ass going to PLC. So, by that time, you know, I was ready. And I was. I was the most physically fit Marine that went to PLC that summer. And uh, that's part of also why I was, like, fucking with people. Because I was pissed. Some of the Marines in my unit died. And I remember seeing... So, every time that I saw people fucking off at OCS, that's why I would tell them. Like, you don't deserve to leave Marines. Because I would, like, just thought, you're a piece of shit and you're going to let people die. People that don't need to die. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why I took it so seriously when I went
0: and what was it about when when your uh, unit came back and the talks that you had that because you're obviously you're not a you're not a military man anymore but your thought was always to be a career officer so what changed your mind
1: yeah so by the time that everything was said and done, you know, I obviously had a lot of chance to like be around the Marines that came back um I got my brother was getting out of the Marine Corps by then, he and I talked about a bunch of stuff, and I was at this crossroads where I was like, "Do I want to commission? Do I want to try to go to grad school after I graduate like I was lost. I was like, "What do I really want to do because especially I had kind of started to like lose faith in the idea that. The military was fighting for freedom. Something that I grew up hearing and believing, especially San Diego was a huge military town. Mm. My values in fighting for freedom were challenged by then. So I kind of was like, okay, if I stay in the Marine Corps, I need to understand that my new perception means I'm defending American political interest. Freedom is involved to some degree. But primarily it's American political interest. And it's a job. So do I want to do that or not? And honestly I was like leaning towards yes. I was like fuck it. This is what I want to do. I don't even care. I'm just going to do it because I know I can do it. Mm -hmm. But what happened is I got the opportunity to start this business. So I had like I took two weeks. Talked to everybody that I could to get advice their input people I really respected and I decided I'm I'm out I'm just gonna not commission I'm going to start this business I'll finish my reserve contract and I'll be a civilian Mm -hmm. and thank you Marine Corps for all the lessons but I'm gonna go private sector which I dealt with a lot of survivor's guilt for a long time um because especially because I was like you know Up until now, I thought I was going to be a Marine officer. I didn't go to Afghanistan. Some of my guys died. So I felt guilty. Because I stayed. And then I didn't even commission. And now I'm actually getting out of the Marine Corps entirely. So it was kind of fucked up for a while. Um, But yeah, I mean, everybody I've talked to, they're like, you did the right thing. You did the right thing. My brother is so happy. <laughs>
0: and us as civilians, from what you're saying, makes sense why you would have that guilt. But there's a whole, there's also a whole other reasoning that why it makes complete sense and like why you know we feel yeah you shouldn't have that guilt. You didn't. You you made the decisions that were that were best for you. Yeah. And uh, but you know I know as as civilians and people not being in the military it may be hard to make sense of i guess yeah but um you still feel you made the the
1: right choice right yeah i mean yeah. every choice you make ultimately to the best of your ability with what you know at the time
0: yeah like, like they they teach you right make a choice make a choice is better than <laughs> than not doing nothing yeah so this business um yeah, you started it right out of the reserves or my at, senior
1: year of college
0: And then you even left, ended up leaving college uh, a quarter before graduating because
1: of... We were getting so busy that I kind of realized, oh shit, I'm either going to like make this money or I'm going to fail or sorry, I'm going to make this money and fail school Mm -hmm. or potentially miss out on starting this business to finish my degree. And again, a lifetime of having to make my own decisions with no guidance me now, I, I would have told myself to finish the degree because the money gonna be there no matter what. So at least I was that close. Mm-hmm. At the time though, because I had basically grown up poor all my life, I saw it as, no, 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 this is my chance to make money. And I ran with it. So uh, what was the business? I got into printing.
0: So screen printing? Uh,
1: specifically commercial printing. Uh-huh. And then we started outsourcing the screen printing um, actually, there's a guy in town here. Um, again, I don't really know if I should be name-dropping or not, mm-hmm. but uh, he he was one of my outsources, and eventually, you know, we became friends, and, like, we talked, we had lunch a few times, and I was like, damn, this guy's cool. And then we ended up... Uh, I ended up branching off because I had a partner in the commercial printing, and then he and I created the screen printing company, and we just went for it. Mm-hmm. We started screen printing in 2012. So... And I pretty much did that ever since.
0: And, and you, that business you continued on and, but when did you start, did you start bodybuilding at the same time during the
1: business? No, 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 no. no that's really new. Oh. Um, actually uh, during a huge part of the startup life, I, I did, I wasn't fit at all mm-hmm. because I kept telling myself like, you know, I became a workaholic cause I was like chasing this dream of. Just got to make money. Just got to make money. Sound like
0: you're kind of an all-in guy or leave it behind.
1: <laughs> yeah, I am getting a lot better at balance yeah. now. Because uh, I'm definitely good at doing multiple things now. But, yeah, I I would say there was a point in time where like up to now, I, I was very obsessive is what I'll call it. Mm-hmm. And so I was obsessive. I was obsessed with my business. I was obsessed with trying to do this or that. So, um, I didn't care you know, I decided I'm just gonna do this. And obviously, like, because of my genetics, like, I didn't, like, get, like, too far off, but um, that that
0: changed for a bit. <laughs> for yourself, you let yourself go, especially yeah. coming straight out of uh, the Marines, going to not eating right, probably not working out, yeah, and just yeah. dedicating yourself to the business.
1: Well, like, a lot of people don't know this, but in the beginning of that company, too, I lived in the back of my shop. Because I kind of was like, you know what? I don't want to pay rent. So I lived in the back of my shop.
0: Yeah, makes sense.
1: And to save money. And yeah, like I I didn't care about what I was eating back then. I would just eat whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then before you knew, did you gradually see you slipping, yourself slipping? Or did you woke up one day and was like, what the hell happened looking in the mirror?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, one day I was like, damn, I'm getting out of shape now. You know, and uh, so I started, I started to like get myself together again uh, for a brief time. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, uh, so since we're in that part of my life, I I had got to this point where I was like starting to even examine what the fuck happened in my childhood. You know, I was like, I, I need to do better. And I didn't have a car because I sold my car to start the company. But I would walk from my shop, which is pretty far, to AC4 on Fairview. Mm -hmm. It would take me like an hour to walk there. And then I would work out and then I would walk back, you know. And uh, there was a lot of this stuff like people don't know. Um, And anyway, I ended up starting to date this girl. And, uh, you know, it was like, I kind of thought like that that, Relationship was like a big deal, and I thought it was like everything. And you met her at, like through work or the gym? I don't want to talk about how I met her <laughs> cause it. It's a small town, okay, no yeah. worries, no worries. Um, so certain things obviously might give away, so I don't want to yeah, say, yeah. but anyway, um, yeah, that basically fell apart. Let's skip all the details, but it fell apart, and I took that very poorly.
0: But like, uh, how long was the relationship?
1: About two years.
0: Oh, so you'd put some time and energy into that
1: yeah I would yeah. say so yeah you made an investment
0: <laughs> yeah and so that worked out poorly yeah and I
1: would say that that was like the most serious relationship that I've had mm-hmm. like out of my whole life and the, what sucks though like and I can recognize this now is that I just basically told you my whole life story like I, I'm i up to here like been through a lot of shit really fucked up and I, I had never actually faced a lot of it so there's a lot of confusion and then like when you try to live with someone and you like bring someone that close and you have a lot of shit you've never unpacked yeah they're, they're problems so anyway she and I break up my life goes to shit I stopped caring about everything I actually like right before she and I had broken up I had combined my business with a bigger company in town because I wanted to spend more time with her because I was like It'll, I'll have a steady paycheck, I'll get to spend more time with her, I won't have to work as much because this company has way more employees, my, my work is going to change. But then it was like the perfect decision for our breakup for me to be depressed because now all this extra time that I had created myself was extra time for me to feel sorry for myself, which turned into drinking multiple times a week, eating whatever the fuck I wanted to eat all the time, like just doing really unhealthy things for Mm -hmm. like a whole year. And then that's still go to work.
0: But after work, you're hitting the liquor store, the bar and yeah.
1: And like, and and again, like I had secured like a decent paycheck by then. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I have all this extra money and I don't care about any of it. So, cause I, I I was making a pretty good salary Mm -hmm. with that company. And I remember like, it's embarrassing to say this, but, like, one time we were all out, and I picked up the, like, tab just because I was like, I, I don't... I, that's how this is how little I cared. I, like, paid a $400 bar tab for a bunch of my friends. Some of them aren't even actually, like, good friends, you know? Some of them, some of them were, but they were with them, but I didn't care. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to pay for it, because I don't really give a shit, and then I'm going to get paid again later. Like, I wasn't thinking... I'm only sad now I'm going to wish I didn't spend all this money later, Mm -hmm. but I didn't care about that. So anyway, I did a lot of really bad things, unhealthy money spending, unhealthy activities. And then that's when I was like one day, okay, what the fuck, dude? Like you, to this point, so many people have looked up to you. So many people have said, Hey man, like, I wish I could be like you this. And I'd be like, wait, be like me, dude, my life's fucked up. What are you talking about? Oh, from what they were saying, didn't <laughs> yeah, see all that. yeah. No, and the, and nobody knew, and um, I mean, so I, uh, I don't know, man. Like I said, for for a lot of the stuff that I do share, even I mean, dude, so yeah, still going through shit now, mm-hmm. you know, that people don't know about. But it's like, um, it, it's really interesting to see, like, uh, like what I hear people say about me. I'm like, oh damn, you you think like my life's perfect or has yeah. been perfect or I don't know, I don't like where apparently I, I must be good well, at probably, subconsciously probably a
0: mixture of both. Yeah. Know, what they're <laughs> seeing compared to what you're not seeing, you know? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Maybe. But, uh, that's when I like hit up my current coach, who's been with me for a while now, uh, three years now that he, I've been under his wing and he told me, Hey, uh, sorry. Let me, I said, I'm ready to be an athlete again. Uh, I,
0: this like, is after a switch flipped. Yeah. And you said, I'm tired of doing what I'm doing.
1: Yeah, well I think I really hit rock bottom. Um and for the sake of the podcast, you know, I'm I'm not gonna say what that means exactly, mm-hmm. but I think most people know what that means. Mm-hmm. And I was just like I, I had to think about it and like make a decision, like, you're gonna keep feeling sorry for yourself and be a fucking nobody? Or are you going to tap into who the fuck you've been your whole life and fix it?
0: That's right.
1: You know, like I was I like I remember thinking like where was this little kid at like growing up that knew someday things would be better. Like that woke his ass up every fucking day in the morning. Like I would bike sometimes cause I was bored or I would bike from my house to the 20 mile away high school for fun. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, I just kind of woke up and I was like, I need, that's one of like my like True healing is what I'll call it. So after that, when I started training for bodybuilding, it's kind of like, slowly getting me to like more than me you know now mm-hmm. and my coach is a huge part of that I mean he and I had plenty of conversations on the phone uh he lives in Canada now but
0: yeah give us a quick background on how you linked up with this with your coach
1: so it's crazy because I've made a lot of friends on Instagram and he he followed me because I don't even know I think probably somebody reposted some military thing that I had and he's a marine mm-hmm. and he followed me and uh we just kind of supported each other, you know, and, and I knew he was a bodybuilding coach, so we had, like, some small conversations. And I could tell, like, you know, when you talk to certain people, you're like, damn, this is a real motherfucker right here. Mm-hmm. And, like, it, over time, now I know, because he's been through some shit, too, so now that makes sense. Like, you usually, you kind of know when someone's been through shit. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I told him I'm ready to be an athlete, and he just said, cool, let's go. And we... Started training and yeah, I competed a year and a half later, um, and now that's been two years since that competition. So all, been, all the
0: online coaching, like through messaging and phone calls. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh. I mean, obviously, like he has provided a platform, and um, I've continued to educate myself so that I can understand his platform better. Obviously, I ask him about questions all the time, but like I am a very because of my upbringing do it yourself Mm -hmm. and i'll always read further into things so that's kind of how that went and
0: so 18 months you go from rock bottom to upstate on stage competing bodybuilding
1: yeah and obviously that was a physical transformation Mm -hmm. um but my mind and heart weren't quite there yet
0: but it had started, it fitness had, have, had started the process. Yeah, it did. So tell us about that because, I mean, that that's one of what our uh, nonprofit, Solid Foundation, one of their core things is fitness yeah. because of the therapy that, that comes with it.
1: Yeah, well, um, when it comes to lifting specifically, it's one of those things where you, you ever hear the phrase, like, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it is a duck? Mm-hmm. Well, this is a place where that doesn't apply, I think. Because some two people can be benching. They have the same weight. In theory, they, they're doing the same thing. They're both moving the weight up and down. They both have the same thing. They're both getting a pump. But it actually takes certain key principles to take it one step further. And, and that's what I meant where like, to me, training is very meditative in which has been weird during quarantine. Cause I haven't lifted now in fucking what three months mm-hmm. when I was training six days a week. <laughs> yeah, um, and, yeah. I've lost 10 pounds. So it's been like kind of interesting. But anyway, um, it's, I, I started to kind of like have these like, you know, just moments with myself where I'm like. You have to be here. You have to put up or shut up. You know, when you're on stage... This is the crazy part about bodybuilding. A lot of people who haven't done it, I feel like they don't understand. But when you're on stage, the only thing that matters is how you look. That's it. So no one's going to ask you, hey, wait, you won. But do you bench more than that guy? It doesn't fucking matter. Mm -hmm. It's just... Does your chest look like you bench more than that guy? Where you see it every day. Some people like try to stack on weight and like do one rep maxes and like all kinds of shit. Like it's like okay, but are you training to post on Instagram or are you training (laughs) because you're trying to build muscle? Like I'm not sure what you're doing. So anyway, it's been a huge ego check for me. And and as I've continued, you know, it's everyday process. And every day that I show up to the gym and I train, I'm like. What am I gonna learn about myself today? What am I gonna learn about training today? Am I gonna go all in? Or am I gonna fuck up? And then it's like, did I even eat to allow myself to go all in? Did I Mm. sleep to allow myself to go all in? Am I being annoyed by something that's petty? Something someone said, something someone did to disrupt my training? Why? You know, all these things, like, I'm having a bad day, so, like, I had a shitty workout. Next thing you know, you had a shitty workout for two weeks because you had a shitty day. Like, what does that mean? It means you're not coping with your shitty day or the things that make your day shitty properly. Mm-hmm. So in the chase for a solid workout, I have been able to revaluate other parts of my life and kind of like make sure that they don't fuck with that.
0: Because you've, you've known, learned, and trained yourself that they're all linked. Correct.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly
0: well, that's deep right there yeah man uh, hopefully you know hopefully we could get that message out there more
1: yeah uh I, I that's that's what i'm hoping to do you know and and i love it so
0: and and now you're you're are you your plan stay live santa barbara
1: yeah so hmm. uh, Obviously, we met because our mutual friends thought we should meet. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also want to create a little something that is fitness-based, bodybuilding-based, yeah. really, yeah, uh, yeah. for some of our youth. I mean, you know, some people want to do MMA and fighting and all that. And like, that's great. Yeah. That's not my forte. Yeah. <laughs> right, everyone has their <laughs> own. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and But I know that some kids out there would love to learn about this and, so. and I remember you and
0: I talked um even before we prepped for the podcast but a couple of weeks ago when we first got linked up through our through our friend mutual friend Jefferson yeah that um I know him through jujitsu. yeah how do you know Jefferson motorcycles, motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, and he, he linked us up I th- I I've I thanked him for that I also rolled with Jesus the other day oh yeah too. Yeah, that, so I got to chop it up a little bit yeah I love uh, that guy when we were talking You had mentioned there was a certain um, age, kind of, that you wanted to start with, right? Yeah. Was that middle school? Yeah,
1: Yeah. so I'm thinking 6th grade. Uh Uh-huh. Especially because of what I said. Like, in elementary school, like, I feel like it's just a little too young. They haven't quite, like, I don't know, there's, like, almost an innocence. You know? Yeah. Um in 6th grade is like I don't know what it is. It just seems like
0: something switch. Well, I think it's the environment you get thrown into from elementary. Like you said elementary you're all with the same kids in the same class. You look forward to recess. Whether you have friends or not, you could probably jump into a game. No
1: one it's not yeah. you know.
0: But then you get thrown into yeah, it's almost and like and they're
1: junior. more clicky yeah it's all a lot like like i said what happens over that summer mm-hmm. people get clicky all of a sudden people are so appearance-based
0: yeah and mm-hmm. you and you go from the, what you know to completely what you don't know and and then at that age too your body's going through changes your oh, mentally yeah. going through changes and and uh it kicks into where you, people are more concerned about what they look like rather than who they really are yeah and then so yeah the clicks start coming in it's a tough time yeah so i could see if you if you know you are able to link up with some some youth dedicated to to do that you you can definitely change the trajectory of their lives yeah and and the name you're going for so we could so anybody who's listening could either refer youth or if youth hears it and wants to is it warrior soul youth academy yes that's correct I'll set that, And then on IG, is that the handle?
1: Yeah, it's a uh, warrior soul dot youth dot academy, I'm pretty okay. sure. Yep,
0: yeah, that's what I got. All right. Well, I know as we continue to move forward and Solid Foundation starts to be able to open its programs back up. I hope to work um either in a referral way with you or bring you in as a guest and help me yeah. with uh with the fitness portion of our program, but also as a mentor and leadership. There's a lot of things that you've learned through your experiences and have been self-taught that I know can help yeah. the, the youth.
1: Yeah, I'm all about it. You know, I don't I don't see us needing to compete really, yeah. you know, no, they, at all. There's, <laughs> like, there's
0: plenty of yeah. youth to help. So yeah, no, exactly. don't no need to compete.
1: Yeah, and I think I, I just wanted to point that out specifically because a lot of people think like, oh, they're like too close to what I'm doing, whatever. It's like, no. you know, we all have the same mission, the same goal. And yeah. w- if anything, like we can help each other out. yeah and
0: when we say fitness how broad is that you know what i mean you when i said fitness you said well specifically bodybuilding yeah you know my fitness that we're teaching the kid is like push-ups burpees all the fundamental things and it's more of a we want to get them to fall in love with fitness so they they can go pursue it and and pick a certain one that they want and and become great at it yeah exactly well i appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your story is there any final things you want to say in closing no um, I
1: really appreciate you taking the time to have me on uh, I just hope that you know people like you keep coming out like people like hear this and maybe they decide they want to do something uh, because I think that bettering society should be a higher priority and uh, you know I also, like I said, I talked about this running away, right? Mm-hmm. Just, you got to be done running. You got to be done pretending shit doesn't affect you. It's unhealthy and uh, you, might, you might be inspired like when you figure some of that out. You got to make peace with your demons, you know?
0: Well, I feel you. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. Thank
1: you. <laughs> Appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening. If you found value in this episode, please share. I also want to let you know that Solid Foundation classes will be allowed to open again very soon. Well, at least I'm hoping so. If you're a parent that wants your kids to gain confidence through work ethic, martial arts, fitness, and family values, email me at gilbert at solidfoundationssb.com. If you're a teen and are interested in joining our program, hit me up as well. Other than that, you can find me on IG at Regalotto Gilbert or on TikTok at Solid Underscore Foundations. Alright, that's it for me. Have a good one and take care of yourself.